Good morning, everyone. This is episode one of the Bronx Bombers Baseball Talk podcast, the Triple B T Pod. I'm your host, Nick Greco, coming to you from Dallas, Texas. In this episode, I'll be introducing this new podcast to you guys and to the world. We'll go over some of the highlights and standouts so far from spring training. Um, I want to go around the horn, position by position, talk a little bit about what we expect Uh, who we expect and what we expect from them. And lastly, I want to talk a little bit about why I decided to start this podcast. So here we go. It's time for the Bronx Bombers Baseball Talk. All right, everyone. Uh, Glad to be here with you. Thanks for tuning in and this new podcast that we put together Um, It's going to be, for the most part, me, your host, Nick Greco, and I'm going to have my friends and families on here from time to time talking Yanks. I'm going to have my father, John Greco, talking with us, Uh, my crazy cousin, Paul, my best friend, Sifo, maybe some of my other cousins or uncles or other uh, guests that we'll have. But essentially, we're going to be talking Bombers. We're going to be talking Yankees. Wanted to do this podcast because I love the Yankees so much. I can't get enough content. And so I wanted an outlet to talk about them myself. So here we go. Decided to pick up this uh, mic here and and talk a little bit about the Yankees. So first off, wanted to cover a few highlights from spring training. Some good, some bad. Um, Assess the situation, see where we're at. I think the most glaring problem so far is that we don't really know right now what to expect out of uh, Luis Severino and CC Sabathia. The talk going into the season was, you know, everyone wanted us to pick up a sixth pitcher for depth. Some people said, hey, where are we going to make room for them? You know, we've got the young guys. We've got Herman. We've got Johnny Lasagna. Uh, Luis Sessa is still in there. He's out of options, so he's probably going to have to be on the team in some capacity. Um or we're just going to have to DFA him. You've got Chance Adams that people still want to throw in there and give a chance to, no pun intended. Uh, you know, I think Chance Adams had a tough year last year. I know that he was coming off of some elbow issues. He'd had some surgery the year before. I don't think what we saw last year is truly what we're going to get out of him. I think there's still some potential in there. But the question is, do we want – to rely on these question marks to fill out our rotation. Uh, You know, people were throwing around um, some things the other day that of of our five main projected starters, so you've got Severino, Paxton, Tanaka, Hap, and CeCe, all of them had sub four ERAs with, um, I think it was over 150 innings. And I think that out of the American League, there was only 20 guys that had that. So the Yankees had a quarter of those guys. You know, people are upset that we didn't necessarily pick up an ace. Not that there was an ace available. I think that the move for Paxton was probably the best possible trade that was realistic that the Yankees could make. Um, Nolan Cashman went out and got it. I don't think that Bumgarner was ever really available. I don't think that Kluber was ever really available. I don't think that Syndergaard was ever really available. So outside of that, um, you know, Paxton is not your standout super ace, which there may be only, you know, half a dozen to a dozen in baseball guys like Scherzer. Um, Nobody's definitely... uh, 
top tier number one, number two of the rotation kind of guy. And we went out and were able to secure him with the trade from Seattle. So I think that Cashman did a lot there to solidify um, the rotation. I think that we can expect big things from him. It seems like he's been injury plagued in the past, but it seems like they've been kind of weird injuries, kind of freak injuries, not necessarily foundational things where he's going down with you know, a Tommy John or a rotator cuff or something like that. So I expect him to be healthy this year and expect him to prove himself and come out and have a great year. Um, you know, when we take it to the rest of the guys on the staff, you know, we look at our supposed to be ace, Luis Severino. I think that he will still be the ace. I'm really hoping that the reports out of spring training on his shoulder are that you know, the club is being really cautious with him. You know, it's spring. The games don't really mean anything. I think that at at the worst, hopefully it will mean that he's two or three weeks delayed into the season. He's going to lose two weeks of spring training. So I hope that that means that they're just keeping a watchful eye on him, that he they're going to shut him down so that he can rest, figure out what's going on. I think they came out and said that, Everything in the MRI looked good. Um, you know, he shut himself down because of that discomfort initially, and the team's shutting him down for two weeks. So hopefully there's nothing foundational wrong there. There's nothing structurally wrong. Hopefully it's just a little bit of soreness and inflammation. And like I said, at worst, I really hope that we're only losing him for the very first few starts of the season, um, which we can deal with. You know, if we have to have a guy like Herman or Johnny Lasagna come in and fill in a few spot starts, that's fine, but I don't think that we can rely on them for the duration of the season. You know, Johnny Lasagna pitched yesterday in the game against the Phillies, and his stuff is filthy. Um, he's throwing hard. He's throwing 95-plus. He's got a wicked, over-the-top curveball, hard curveball slider. I don't know whichever he calls it, but uh, he's got both those pitches and a good changeup. He throws a lot of strikes. Um he did get cagged a little bit. That guy on Philly that had like three hits in spring training and all three were home runs, tagged a pretty hard home run into right center off of him. You know, overall, I think he looks really good. His stuff looks good, but I don't want to count on him to be in our rotation for, you know, a majority part of the season. The same with Herman. Herman has looked really filthy in his starts this spring. Um, you know, he flashed signs of being really filthy last year in some of his starts but again I think those are both guys that still have a little bit of fine-tuning um, a little bit of refinement that they need to have to take themselves to the next level which ideally I'd like for them to make in AAA as exciting as it is to have young arms like that you don't want these guys um, getting seasoned at the major league level when the games count so you know Tanaka is going to be Tanaka he's looked really good this spring um hopefully he's able to come out stay healthy you know he's going to keep us in the games for the most part and then he'll be really clutch in big games and come postseason time jay hap has looked good i think he'll be the same type of thing where you know we're not asking a lot out of jay hap we're asking him to be consistent to keep us in the games give us five or six good strong innings keep it to you know, two to four runs um we don't need you to be the ace and strike out 200 guys but just keep us in the games so that the bullpen can come in and take over. And I think that we're going to get that out of Hap. He's proven uh, as a salty veteran. It seems like the last few years he's actually 
you know, he's like a fine wine. He's getting better as age goes on. He's got great command of his fastball. He's throwing strikes. Um, so I think that we'll we'll have a good solid season out of J-Hap. CC. it seemed like he was coming back, but now they're saying that he's going to start the season on the DL as well. We know that he was going to miss the first couple of games or starts at least with uh, the suspension from last year when he threw it. Jesus Sucre, uh, the that's for you, bitch. Classic moment, but we're going to miss him the first few starts of the season. And it looks like now it may be the first few weeks. Um, so the question is, what do we do with this starting rotation? You know, out of what we thought was going to be a really solid five squad going into the season of guys with sub four ERAs, guys that are gamers that we know that can go in there and at least keep us in the games, you know, um, no sunny grays, nothing where they're going to go out and let up a six, seven, eight bomb on us and get the game, uh, get the game totally out of reach. But now, you know, just a few weeks into spring training, we're looking at our rotation and essentially we're two guys down and they're a little bit of question marks. We don't really know what's going on with Luis Severino's shoulder. Um, you know, they say that CeCe's healthy, but he's recovering from a pretty serious um, heart surgery. So we don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in or how much we can expect on him. You know, you've got Montgomery that's going to be coming back off of Tommy John somewhere in the middle of the season. But how much can you rely on a guy that just missed the last year with Tommy John? I loved what we saw out of Montgomery in 2017 in the first half of 2018. I think he's going to be a good piece for us going forward of a you know tall lefty who's got an unorthodox move where he's coming straight over the top it's tough to pick up he's got four quality pitches I think that he's going to be a good piece for our rotation for a long time but I don't know how much we can expect out of him for this year so you know where do we go from here I think that the first logical step would be to look at some of the free agents that are still out there that Brian Cashman could go out and get basically you know, uh, on a super bargain price. You've got guys like Irvin Santana. You've got guys like Gio Gonzalez that are still out there. It's probably one that people are talking about the most. You've got Dallas Keuchel, but I feel like Keuchel is going to command. He's holding out for the years. He's holding out for the money. He still thinks that he's going to get that ace pitcher contract, which I don't think is out there. My money is that he'll just wind up going back to Houston, probably on a two or three year deal. Um, which is I don't I don't know if that's what he and his camp were originally looking for, but my gut feeling is that's what he's going to get. And so we turn to a guy like Gio Gonzalez, who's had really solid numbers. You know, he's not an ace by any means, but we don't need an ace. We need someone that can fill in a veteran that can make twenty to twenty-five to thirty starts the year if we need that out of him. Someone that we know is going to keep us in the games. You know, I think that over the last few years, he's got a sub, he's got a lifetime ERA in like the three sevens or three eights. He's got that great curveball. Um, his uh, strikeouts per walks is getting a little bit out of whack. So he hasn't had as strong of a year the last few years, but he's still sub four. And really, that's all we need with our offense. You know, it's really fun to think about someone like Kluber coming in or someone like Syndergaard coming in, even though I think, you know, Syndergaard is sexy, but. He's still a bit unproven. He's hurt all the time. He's got the filthy stuff. But if we brought in a true ace like Kluber or someone on the caliber of Scherzer, not that he's out there, but someone on that same caliber, it's real sexy to think about. And you want that established ace 
at the top of your rotation. I still think that Luis Severino is going to be that ace. He's shown that he can do it. I think he suffered from a little bit of fatigue last year. You know, we get down on our knees and pray that he's not really hurt because I think that he's that ace. Um, You know, at this point, we really just need depth. I know that people may or may not like that word. You know, they say that depth pieces are depth pieces for a reason. You're not going to get a quality guy down there. Um, you know, like I said, we've got these two strong candidates in Herman and Johnny Lasagna, but I want to see them get seasoned a little bit more. I don't want them to play a crucial role in the team this year. I think that Cashman really needs to go out and needs to get someone that could step in and be a solid fourth or fifth starter if we really need him to. Because you look at the rotation, and as solid as I think it is, as much as I love all these guys and um, am expecting good things out of them, you could also see a lot of guys that are out there that have question marks, almost each guy. You know, Severino, I think, would probably be the most solid. He starts off the year with a question mark. Paxton, I think that his injuries are fluke things. I don't think that he's an injury-prone guy per se, even though he's had some of these weird injuries. But you still have the question mark there. Uh, I think he's got filthy stuff. I think he's going to be big, but he's definitely a question mark. Tanaka has been pitching with a partially torn um, ligament in his elbow for the better part of two or three seasons at this point. So I think that for the most part, we know we're going to get out of Tanaka. But there's always that question mark where at any moment, we don't know if that thing's just going to tear all the way through and he's going to have to go down with Tommy John. Um, Hap is getting older. You like to think that he's going to come through in the clutch. He's going to deliver for you. But at age 37, 38, I think anyone is a question mark. And then, of course, CC uh, starting the season on the DL. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. So I really think that Brian Cashman needs to go out, snag a guy like Gio Gonzalez on a one-year deal. Um, Clay Buckholz had just got a one-year $3 million deal. I think that Gio could probably had at this point for a one-year deal worth 5 or $6 million, which I don't know why other teams have not gone out. Um, you know, a team like the Padres, where they just spent on this money on Manny Machado. They gave him $300 million over the next 10 years. And essentially, they're running minor leaguers out there as their rotation. You know, a guy like Gio Gonzalez isn't going to be your ace by any means, but he could certainly come in. Over, I was looking at some of the pitcher's stats. I don't know that they had a single starter whose ERA was under four, much less five. You know, you have former Yankee great Brian Mitchell in their starting rotation. So I really don't know if there's maybe a physical thing that, you know, is not widely known, but maybe the uh, teams know about if he's holding out for more years and more money. But you'd figure that a team like maybe the Padres or a team like the Cardinals, uh, you know, a team that has invested some money and resources, you know, heck, even the Phillies, they they went out there and they signed Bryce Harper to the biggest contract ever. They added a ton of pieces. They added Gene Segura. They added Andrew McCutcheon. They added JT Romuto. But they're pitching, you know, outside of Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta, who's not what he used to be, is is a little thin. They've got some young guys they're relying on. But you'd think that a guy like Gio Gonzalez would come in, give you a nice veteran presence, and give you some depth where you don't have to rely on those question marks. So I don't know why he's not picked up, but I do think that Brian Cashman, the Yankees, should come in, invest a few million dollars in a guy like Gio Gonzalez or even Irvin Santana. You know, just a year or two ago, I think it was 17, he was an all-star. 
Um, he was dealing with some injury things last year, so his numbers aren't great. But this is a guy who just a few years ago was a really effective pitcher. You know, he started the wild card game for the Twins in that 2017 season when Didi hit the home runs in the first innings. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't come through there. I don't know if that's what we want to go off of, but the point is, this guy is in a winner go home situation for a playoff team just two years ago. So. That's another guy who I think could be had probably on a one-year, maybe even less, like a 2 or $3 million deal if the Yankees wanted to go out, bolster, and add a little bit of security to this rotation. Because right now, man, I just don't know if I want to go out there with two big question marks coming right out of the gate. You know, um, so we'll see what happens. I think that they've come out and said that they want to keep uh, everything internal, but... Do we take that at face value? Do we take anything that Cashman says at faith, face value, what Boone says at face value? Yeah, I, I think at this point we don't. They're just out there, um, I think, really defect, deflecting questions, giving face time. They're not going to put the cards down. Cashman, we know out of anyone, keeps the cards close to uh, his chest. He doesn't let people see what's going on. So... We'll see what happens, but that's what I think. You know, it's it's frustrating to think that we're going into this year with two guys down on the rotation already. I really hope the Severino thing isn't bad. They're saying that he's in good spirits. They're saying that, you know, he doesn't think that it's a big deal, that he feels good. It's just a little bit of inflammation and soreness. You're not going to push a guy in spring training. So I'm really hoping that's what it is. And with CeCe, I don't really know what to expect. I hadn't heard much other than, you know, he would come back and he was throwing and they said that he was looking and feeling good. The next thing I hear that he's going down on the DL and not going to start the season on the roster. So who knows? That's something to be seen. But I hope that Cashman goes out, grabs a guy like Gio. If nothing else, it would be really exciting to see that. Um, you know, you figure that anytime during the season, a couple guys are going to go down. You know that CC, even if he's healthy, is going to go down for his cortisone shots. So you're going to have a sixth guy or a sixth spot in the rotation, whether it's one individual, whether it's four or five individuals, that's going to wind up having 20 or 30 starts from you. Why not have that be a quality guy that, you know, when the whole crew is healthy, he can go out there and be the long guy in the bullpen for us. Uh, So that's what I expect out of Cashman. That's what I expect out of our five guys in the rotation. I really am excited I do think that Severino's thing doesn't seem to be too serious, so I'm still expecting him to have a monster year. I'm expecting really big things out of Pax, and I think that he's going to show people um, what kind of pitcher he really is. He's got that dominant, dominant stuff, fastball touching 100, great cutter and slider, uh, and he seems to be a competitor. The guy let a freaking bald eagle land on his shoulder without even moving. He seems like a tough guy. I know his Canadians are always a little bit uh, crazy in the head to begin with. So I think a guy like that's going to fit in real well in New York. I don't think we're going to have a Sonny Gray 2.0 there. Um, Tanaka is a bulldog. Expect good things out of him. Jay Happ, I think we're going to get a real consistent effort out of him. He couldn't have been better or we couldn't have asked for more from him and what we saw after we acquired him from the Blue Jays at the end of last year. So I expect him. You can't expect a guy to keep that uh, kind of pace up, but... I think he'll be great. And then I think CeCe, when he comes back, is going to 
you know, if if it's even possible, compete more than he usually does. He's such a gamer. He's such a bulldog. He's kind of a dying breed. And this being his last season, you just kind of hope that the guy's going to have a great year, that we're going to be able to help him go out on top. So from the rotation, let's take it to um, some of the highlights of spring training. So I think that first thing there is that, you know, we've got a couple question marks right off the bat in spring training. You've got Aaron Hicks that's down a little bit with his back, which is kind of to be expected. Aaron Hicks always goes down um, to some degree. He's got a little bit of back tightness. They were saying yesterday in the game against the Phillies that he's saying that it feels good. So I really don't expect him to miss much time if he does miss it all. Again, I think that it's early in spring training. They're not going to push these guys. They want them to be ready for when the games count. So Aaron Hicks out right now with some back stiffness. You've got um, Jacoby Ellsbury, out of all people, call from the past, coming back, joining the team March 16th or March 17th. I don't really know what to expect out of Jacoby Ellsbury at all. Um, They said that he was running on flat ground, whatever that means. You know, you figure this guy has not played since the end of 2017, missed entire 2018 you know, he rejoins the team. What does that even look like? Is he ready to go? I can't imagine that he is. Is he going to start in the minor league camp? Is he going to start the season in double-A, triple-A? You figure that he's been out for over a year. He's got a lot of rehabbing to do. So what does that look like? Do I even care? No, not really. I'm still not convinced that Jacoby Ellsbury will ever play another game in pinstripes under the lights of Yankee Stadium. You know, when he's healthy, the guy can contribute. I think that he's a bit of a poor man's Brett Gardner at this point, and Gardner's got the heart, so we'd much rather have him. But you got a fast guy where, you know, Ellsbury has the ability to get streaky. He's a little bit like Gardner in that sense too, where there were times in 2017 where he gets really hot and he's able to not carry the team but definitely be an igniter at the top of that lineup plays a great defense you know I think it's really easy to be a Jacoby Ellsbury hater at this point but I I don't really know what to expect from the guy he's going to be joining the team it seems like here in a week week and a half or so I don't know in what form or fashion I don't know if we'll see him on the field at all having a catch taking swings in the cage no idea what to expect but they did say that he's expected to return to the team in some form or fashion here at the beginning, um, not the beginning, but here coming in about 10 days or so, March uh, 16th or 17th. So I think those are some of the injury concerns. If we now take a look at some of the positions that are not in question, but some interesting things. So I think that the first off, the most glaring um, face-off or head-to-head competition would be at first base. So what do we do about our first base situation. You've got this guy, Luke Voigt, that comes in out of nowhere. We're kind of just grateful last year to get Chase and Shreve out of there so we don't have to watch him pitch another game again. And this guy, Luke Voigt, comes in who, you know, from what we hear is a career minor leaguer with the Cardinals. This guy comes in. He's a bit of a brute, uh, big dude, chest uh, out, his shirt unbuttoned. We don't really know who this guy is or what the heck to expect from him, but he sure looks good. And then he gets in there and just goes on a tear 
Like, no one could have expected. The guy plays at an MVP level. Um, you know, he his underlying stats in the minors with the Cardinals, I think there were some very interesting things there. I think the Yankees analytics team found a diamond in the rough, and he had good stats. I think he they said he was a career, like, 290 hitter in the minor leagues with the Cardinals. The guy has some pop. Um, so just kind of a weird situation because at this point, I guess the only question is, was that really who Luke Voigt is? Or is he Shane Spencer 2.0 or a Nick Johnson 2.0? Maybe Greg Bird is the better example for Nick Johnson. But, you know, you've got these two guys coming in. Bird is a, another odd story. You know, this guy, it doesn't seem like it, but he's been with the Yankees for, I think, 2015 was the year that he came up and had that huge uh, end of the season, kind of like Gary did in 16, where the guy comes up, replaces Teixeira, shows us the bad hits, 10 home runs in a month or so, and he's got this gorgeous left-hand swing that you know all the Yankee fans are drooling for with the short porch and right, with a right-handed heavy lineup. And I think that a lot of people, as recently as even last year, expected this guy to be the left-handed three-hole hitter for the New York Yankees for a long time to come. Um, you know, last year after Judge had become Judge, there was talk of him being the three-hole hitter and splitting Judge and Stanton up. And so he misses the entire 2017 season with the shoulder surgery. He comes back – oh, no, excuse me. He missed the 2016 season, I believe it was, with that shoulder surgery, which I've heard is brutal – um, it was the same surgery, I believe, that Brian McCann had. He comes back, faces that, and then he comes back in uh, 17, has the monster spring where he hit like over 400, led the all of spring training in home runs, then goes down with the weird foot injury. They just can't figure it out. He has surgeries, and he's never really able to put it all together for a whole season in the big leagues. But you still have seen those flashes of greatness. Everyone always reverts back to the home run he hit off of Andrew Miller in the playoffs. Um, you see these flashes of spring. You see this flash where he comes up and rakes for a month, month and a half in his first year. You know, I'll be the first one to say this, and I noticed it. Greg Bird looks really freaking good this spring. Not just his numbers, but the dude looks good. They said that he stayed down there in Tampa, didn't go home during the offseason, put on about 20 pounds of solid muscle, and just hit in the cage and stay down there all offseason. It shows the dude looks yoked. He looks big. He looks better than the skinny guy that has the bald cats that we uh, all grown accustomed to. He looks beefy. Um, he probably got jealous of those videos out there of Luke Voigt, you know, sledging monster tires with the giant jackhammer and doing one-handed uh, bench press. So he was in the weight room. He looks good. Uh, you know, I'm looking at his stats right now. For the spring, he's been in seven games in 15 at-bats. He's got six hits. This is as of um, the 7th. He's got six hits with a home run, three doubles, and he's batting 400. And I'll say one thing that I really liked out of Greg Bird is that his home run, I know, was to left center. A couple of those doubles at least were off the left field wall, so he's got a good approach. Um, you know, he's going to pull the ball when it comes down to it but it's nice to see him have that approach where he's trying to go with it 
he's uh, he's trying to make those improvements in his game. And so what does that mean? You know, Luke Voigt at this point, if we look at Luke Voigt's numbers, you know, he's had 13 at-bats. The, the, uh, the average is not quite there, which doesn't matter. It's early in spring training, but it's just fun to look at. But in four hits, Luke Voigt has two home runs. So everyone's got their eye on the first base battle. No one knows what to expect. I have to believe that after what Luke Voigt did last year, it's going to be impossible to nearly impossible at best to look at this guy in the eyes and say, hey, man, we're not letting you have this starting job, especially at this rate where they're both hitting really well. Um, I think the competition is driving both of them, which is great. Um, you know, even as soon as or as recently as a few years ago when you had, you know, Aaron Hicks and Judge were battling for that final outfield spot in 2017 and we saw what happened there. You know, Hicks breaks out, kind of has his first really breakout year where he becomes the Aaron Hicks that just got a seven-year, $70 million deal. And then, of course, Judge turns into a prospect into um, – Aaron Judge the face of baseball. So that competition, I think, can be really key. It pushes guys to be better than they are. I don't know what to expect. Honestly, in my heart of hearts, I still would love to see Greg Bird get this job. I don't think that it's going to happen out of spring training. At this point, I'm not even quite sure if he's making the team out of spring training because I don't think the Yankees can afford to carry four bench players off the bat. But... You've seen that greatness in his left-handed swing that can be there. Um, and I think that, you know, I threw righty and batted lefty, so I have that bit of a connection there. But you just would ideally love to see that left-handed swing um, play in Yankee Stadium. And I think at this point, too, Yankee fans are so invested in him that it's almost put up or shut up time. Like if Greg Bird can't figure it out this year, I don't know what we're going to do with him. He may be a career minor leaguer. He may be a guy that never really pans out. Um, I don't know if he's a piece that could be traded at some point. I don't know how much value he has, but I think the guy certainly, if given the chance and can stay healthy, has proven he's a major league uh, hitter. I don't know if he is the uh, you know hitting 280 and hitting 30 home run guys that we all hoped and prayed and thought that he could be, but uh, deep down I think I still really would like Greg Bird to be the first baseman, but how do you keep a guy like Luke Voigt off the field and off the team if the guy continues to do what he does? And if that wasn't a fluke, I don't know if you can expect a guy to keep at that pace. You know, even you know Giancarlo, who hit fifty-eight, fifty-nine home runs, whatever it was, and uh, when Judge hit fifty-two in two thousand seventeen, I don't think you can necessarily. Even guys on that level, you can't expect that to be repeated often. You know, Stanton had a down year and had 38 home runs. So, come on. Uh, how much can we expect from these guys on a year-to-year level? I don't think anyone's expecting Luke Voigt to come out and continue the pace that he was at and hit 300 with 40 or 50 home runs. But, shoot, I think the guy has shown that he has the ability to hit 280 with 25 or 30 home runs, and we'll take that all day. He's got a great on-base percentage. He'll take the walk. I think he's got the approach where you know, he's sitting on fastballs, letting them get deep and driving the majority of his home runs and hard hit balls to right center. So I think he's got the right approach where he's not wailing and bailing. You know, he's not going to be a Joey Gallo out there that 
is going to hit 190 but have some pop. He seems like he's an all-around great hitter. So the only question will be, can he keep it up? I think the only way that you see Greg Bird as the Yankees starting first baseman come opening day over Luke Voigt is if somehow over the next two weeks it's just a total Voigt falls off the table and Bird continues to mash. Um, so that's the first base position. I don't know what to expect other than I think that it's going to be Luke Voigt. Not really sure that we can say where we think he's going to be, but the dude is already raking. He's got two home runs. He's hitting the ball hard. Um, let's go from first base to second base. So, again, I think we can cover the rest of the infield in one foul swoop because we've got a lot of guys for not that many positions, but we've got a lot of really talented guys that are all playing pretty well. Um, I want to start off just because it's fresh in my mind from watching the game yesterday with DJ LeMahieu. You know, a lot of Yankee fans, I feel like, were a little disappointed that the Yankees didn't go all in on Manny Machado and settled, you know, air, quotes, air quotations, settled for a guy like DJ LeMahieu, who's a three-time All-Star, two-time or two-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner, and won the batting title two years ago. Um, you know, I want to say it's the first time, obviously I'm not watching a ton of Rockies games because I'm watching every Yankee game. It's the first time I've really had the chance to see LeMahieu play um, on a day-to-day basis, and I love what I'm seeing out of this guy. I think that he actually started at third base yesterday and – uh, I don't remember who it was. It was Brian Hoke or someone had some videos of him fielding grounders at third base with Andy Har. But the dude looks good. He can field. You know, he one of the best fielding second basemen in the league. Um, I'm sure that that translate into translates over into other positions because the dude looked good at third. And I'm telling you, I uh, I love this approach or I love his approach at the plate, and I really think that. When you look at the team in general, I feel like these days in Major League Baseball and just in fandom too, we lose sight of building a complete team and you just want to build a video game team or a fantasy league team where everyone wants all of the all-stars and because of some of the advanced analytics and things like that, we're taking out things like the intangibles like leadership, like team makeup, like complementary players. I'm, you know, I'm looking at this guy who's got a really solid approach, a really simple, solid swing. Um, at this point, it said he's only batting 222 in 18 at bats in the spring, but I'm telling you, it seems like every at bat that I watch from this guy, he is facing the ball up hard, um, either up the middle. Or to the right side. I think we've got a real, I don't want to call a guy that, you know, is a perennial all-star, multiple gold glove winner and a batting title champion, um, a diamond in the rough. But I think that Cashman and the team did a really great job at adding a guy who is a top-notch, superb um, defenseman that can play second base, that can probably play shortstop and third base and first base if we need him to. He'll fill in anywhere with solid defense and the guy that I truly believe is going to be a very complimentary piece to the rest of our lineup 
Um, this guy is going to make a lot of contact. He's going to be on base. He's going to be pushing the ball out to right field and right center at Yankee Stadium. So I think that we might see some more home runs out of him. But I just love this guy's approach. He's got that simple move. You can tell he waits for the ball to get deep. He's not trying to do too much to it. And he's just going to be a high contact rate guy, which I think is going to play really well, surrounded by a lot of the power guys that we have, surrounded by some guys that, you know, the Achilles heel for the Yankees last year, I think, was it was a bit all or nothing. You've got guys that will strike out. And we've got some high on base guys. But one of the things that I feel like that you get a feel for when – you're watching the games every day like some of us are is you know, a lot of missed opportunities where you'll get guys on base but because not a lot of our guys have that approach where they're just trying to put the ball in play we're missing a lot of opportunities and you're not really moving runners around it's you know we get a couple guys on with a hit or a walk and then a guy hits a home run that's how the Yankees score runs and to be honest that's one of the things that I feel like when we watched our head-to-head games against the Red Sox and as you watch the Red Sox last year progress in the playoffs that's something that they have that we lack that I'm hoping that a guy like DJ LeMayhew can really help us out with um you know on second base and with this approach I want to say that I've I've seen great things out of Glaber Torres so far this spring this guy has the ability to adjust mid at bat like no hitters that come to mind in recent history um, as a young guy, I think he just turned 22. He's got such a great feel for the game that it's going to be really exciting to watch him mature and hopefully have a great year. I think that Glaber Torres is a guy that we can look to. You know, he started out so hot when he came up last year. He had the hip injury. I don't know that he really fully recovered from that because he wasn't really the same guy. But I think that we look at his makeup, we look at his approach, the way that he's able to make adjustments in the middle of the game. And I see a guy that could hit 300 this year, and I really hope that he is because I think that our team needs that. Um, you know, the the masses will say at this point that batting average doesn't matter, but when was the last time the Yankees had a real solid guy hitting 300? I think that whether it matters or not, I'd love to see it because it means those guys are getting on base and they're getting base hits. Um, so I think that at second base, and I think that Glaber will play shortstop some of this game yesterday – I think Tyler Wade started at second. Glaber was actually at short, and then um, DJ LeMahieu was at third. So I think we'll see an intermix of those guys, but I'm expecting good things out of Glaber. I think he'll be another guy that can offset some of the power with the average. I really think that he could be a 300 hitter. Um, but he's making adjustments. I love watching him sit back on a curveball and just crush it. He does it better than anyone. Uh, he sends the ball up the middle. So I'm expecting great things out of him. I think that he'll have a really great year if he stays healthy, which I have no reason to believe that he won't. Um, and I don't know where I think he's going to play. I think that he'll spend 90% of his time at second base. I don't think at this point that they want to move him around that much. You know, as a young guy, last year was his first year really at second base. So I'd like to think you want to get him established. But then again, where does that put DJ? Um, where does it put Tulo? Tulowitzki is another guy. So we've got this another glaring question mark and a bit of an enigma here with Troy Tulowitzki. Um, the signing, I think, at first, a lot of people were up in arms about. Didn't really, not necessarily up in arms, but didn't know what to think about it. Um, you know, a decade ago, three, four years ago, this guy's a perennial all-star. He's one of the best shortstops in the league. He goes down with the injuries. 
Um, never really puts it together in Toronto. Misses the entire last year. But he comes out. This is a guy that wants to be a New York Yankee. He says that he wants to be a New York Yankee. So first of all, you love that. You love a guy, and I'll give credit to Zach Britton too. You love a guy as a Yankees fan that comes out and says, I want to be with this organization. I want to be on a team that's going to win. It's not just all about the money for me. It's not all about the personal spotlight for me. I don't have to go out and be the starting shortstop somewhere. I don't have to go out and be the closer somewhere. I want to be in the pinstripes, playing for the New York Yankees, playing for a championship. So we know that that's Troy Tulowitzki. The Yankees get him on a league minimum contract, almost as insurance, almost as a lottery ticket. You don't know what you're going to get. If it doesn't win, you just crumble it up and throw it away. If you win, you win the Powerball. I don't know what to expect out of Troy Tulowitzki, but the dude has looked good so far in spring training. He's hitting 375 in a very small sample size, just eight at-bats, but the dude has a double and two home runs in three hits. So, you know, that first home run against the Blue Jays, I loved how he gets fired up. He's running around the bases screaming and yelling, and he's excited. You want to see that. Um, but where does this guy play? Is he really going to be the starting shortstop? I'll say in the field, He's looked good. He's already made some really great plays. What does it mean when Didi comes back? No one knows. You figure it'll play itself out. Can he really stay healthy? No one knows at this point. Um, you know, and then to kind of round it out, you've got Miguel Andujar, who just is a hitter, man. He just looks like a hitter. Every time he gets in the box, it feels like he's going to square it up, and it feels like he's going to get solid contact um the only question mark of course is what's this guy's defense going to be like in the long run i'll say i'm torn i don't know what i think you have the videos of him working out really hard in the offseason you'd like to think that he did um he seems like a stand-up guy that has the promise there to where he could be a perennial all-star um i think he could be a 300 hitter i think he could hit well over 300 he has such a high hard ball contact rate. But, man, at this point, I don't know where the defense is going to pan out. You're watching his games, and I've seen him make some plays so far um, in spring training. But I can't say that they all look pretty. Uh, the throw is still you – know, he's got such a cannon. You had that play early on in spring training where he had the backhand and had to make an over-the-top quick throw, and he has an absolute hose. But – on the routine plays, he's still doing his shuffle step, and he's still kind of doing the lollipop sidearm throw. Um, I don't know why it's so hard for this guy to just throw it over the top, force him, and let his cannon air out because he's got one. Um, for some reason or another, I just don't know if he'll be able to break that habit. And, you know, like I said, he's been making some of these plays, but Bird had to save him one time on a scoop and he's diving off the bag and they're they're not he's not hitting the guy in the chest standing on first base we'll put it that way so we haven't really seen him make an error at this point he's gotten to all the balls he's made some good plays but he's also making routine plays a little shaky so you know you don't you just don't really know what to expect from this guy because i can bet that he's going to come out swinging he's going to get hard contact at this point, I don't really know if he can't put it together at third base defensively. What do we do with him? Um, you know, 
the Yankees have a lot of money invested in Giancarlo Stanton. Do we want to put Stanton out in left field? Can he handle left field at Yankee Stadium every day? Um, or is that something that you need a guy like Brett Gardner out there for? Because I don't know if we can afford to put, or I don't know if we'll be able to put Miguel Andujar at designated hitter if he's not able to put it together at third base. Um, and then I guess the uh, the guy that you also have to acknowledge that's put himself in there and if I were to put the Yankee lineup together now, the 25-man opening day roster, this guy is on the team um, as the third bench guy. Is You've got Tyler Wade is having in a really, really strong spring uh, up to this point. Um, you know, in 19 at-bats, the guy's got six hits. He's got four doubles and a home run. Um you know, this is another guy who's very versatile, can play pretty much any position on the field. He can have you covered at second, short, third, the outfield positions. Um, you love his playability. This is a guy who has hit uh, 300 or close to 300 in AAA before. And the couple chances he's gotten in the show up to this point, he hasn't really been able to put it together. But the guy's having a great uh, spring so far. He's got... Such amazing speed that you love to see that. Um, I love watching him uh, run a double or or steal the bases. This is a guy. He's an exciting player. Um, you know, long term, is there a spot for him on this team? I don't know, uh, but I do think that he will be the third bench spot coming out of spring training, simply because he's versatile. He can play all of the positions. He can fill in in the outfield if you need him to. He can come in late in the game, be a defensive replacement. He's got great defense at all the positions. He can come in late in the game and be a pinch runner. So while he may not bring, you know, the um, game-changing ability that someone like Luke Voigt or Greg Bird could possibly have, who might not make the team, or even like a Clint Frazier at this point, um, I think that his ability to fill in will ultimately get him a spot on this team to start the year don't know what to expect from him other than that exciting player great tools great speed you love that he can fill in but outside of that you don't really know what to expect from him but i do think he'll make the opening day roster he's having a great spring so it's it's good to see these guys that are fighting for spots come in prepared come in ready to take care of business um so who knows i guess the only other thing to talk about from spring training is you know, Judge looks great so far. He's already dropped three home runs, and it doesn't even look like he's trying. Um, the one that he hit the other day, it, it when I watched the films, it looked like he fisted it. It didn't even look like he got it. He hits it out to dead uh, right center deep over the Hooter sign. Um, I didn't even think he got that ball. So it just shows how strong this guy is. It looks like – one thing that I do want to talk about is that it looks like – He's really um, adapted his two-strike approach. You know, they were showing on the Yes Network and the games that he's really cut down his stride um, and his leg kick when it when it comes to two strikes. And um, he's going almost with just a pivot. It, it looks good. It looks like he's making contact. It looks like he's, you know, willingly trying to cut down on his strikeout rate and go for more contact, which is great to see a guy like Judge do, you know. With his power, he doesn't need to have the huge leg kick. He doesn't need to rear up. This guy can go out of any part of any stadium without even trying. Um, so I love seeing that he's making a concerted effort 
to try and improve his hit ball rate, to try and improve his average. Because, man, can you even imagine if a guy like Judge can approach 300 with his power, um, you're going to have one of the top two or three players in baseball there. So it's been good to see him. I mean, he hit a home run to right field the other day. Both of them, I think, actually. The assisted home run and the unassisted home run um, were both on two strikes where he kind of just didn't even lift that front foot, does a little bit of a pivot, and is just going for contact. So that's great to see. Um, you know, With Aaron Judge, you're going to see the tape measure shots where he really turns and torques on one to left or left center. But a majority of his home runs, it feels like, come to right center field and right field where he just sits back and he's so strong that what's a – double for a normal human being winds up getting uh, over the right field fences so to see him take more of that approach I'll say has been really good this uh, to see so far this spring the only other guy I was going to talk about was Clint Frazier um, who I love I love Clint Frazier you know he's a little bit out there he's a little bit eccentric maybe he's a little bit immature but you like to see a guy with fire out there I think that the 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 blessing and the curse with the Yankees is that it's such a professional organization that a lot of the times we don't really get these guys that are characters. You know, Judge is so buttoned up, um, kind of like Jeter was, where they do and say all the right things. I guess you had A-Rod who was a little bit of a villain. Um, but other than that, in recent memory, you know, it's just kind of a professional organization. So you don't really get these guys that come in with a ton of personality where it seems like Clint Frazier's doing that, for better or for worse, I like it. You like to see a guy play with fire and with passion and want a job and want to win. And it was unfortunate what happened to him last year because I really think that he showed like he was just about there, man. Uh, he tweaked his swing a little bit. And he's another guy like Andujar that when he gets in the box, man, he just looks like he's ready to uncoil on one and hit it 120 miles an hour every time. He's got phenomenal bat speed that we've heard about. Um Hitting the ball hard. Uh, I don't think he's going to make the team out of spring training. Uh, it looks like Brett Gardner, who's also been playing really well. He had that two-home run game. Um, he'll win the left field spot. And with the needs of the team and the needs of the bench, I just don't think they're going to carry an extra outfielder there. Um, so I think that Clint, uh, who is one of the guys that's fighting for a spot that's not having – a great spring so far um only hitting 188 in 16 at bats it looks like he only has three or four hits so um he he's he's my guy to keep an eye on i think that he'll start the season in triple a i think they want him to prove that he's really all the way back healthy that he can get back into the rhythm of it and i think that he's going to be the guy that at the first sign of injury in the outfield he's going to get his shot and hopefully once he gets his shot he'll be able to um solidify himself and prove that the Yankees can't send him back down because this is a guy I would love to see on the team. I think we need a little bit of that fire. Not that Brett Gardner doesn't have it. He probably is uh, the guy with the most fire on the team right now, but it'd be cool to see that passing of the torch this year. Um, Other than that, I don't think there's anything else to speak of spring training-wise that's really pertinent or that stands out. Um, I hate that some of the spring training games aren't on TV, it seems like there was a stretch there where there was like three or four games last week that weren't on. We had to wait till Sunday to watch the game. But uh, this week so far, most of the games have been on. I think the game today um, is going to be on yes and going to be on TV. So that'll be great. It's always fun to watch the spring training games just to see baseball happening. And then by the fifth or sixth inning, when they start bringing in the AAA and AA squads, uh, <laughs> you kind of turn the games off. But 
it's exciting to see the real guys in the lineup and see the real guys pitch. There was a game the other day where all of the real bullpen guys pitched. It was like Ottavino and Britton and Chapman. So that was exciting to see um, Ottavino wearing the big zero for the first time in spring as a Yankee with the stripes on. Uh, so it's exciting. Um, that's that's about it for spring training, guys. Appreciate you letting me go through that. Um, I'm going to wrap up here pretty soon. We were in around the horn. I wanted to go position to position and talk about what I expect, but we kind of did that covering what's going on in spring training. I think this is going to be a huge year for the Yanks. Um, we've got a lot of power. I think that they're going to be chasing that home run record again. I think Gary looks good. He's going to come back healthy. He's going to come back strong. Um, the only thing that I would like to see us change, which it looks like some of these guys are um, trying to change on their own, and with the addition of DJ LeMayhew is see us hit for a little bit more average and a little bit more contact. You know, Our guys are so strong for the most part that they're going to hit the home runs. The home runs are going to come. I'd like to see us focus a little bit more on you know, trying to have a bit of a contact approach where we can move runners around. We're not necessarily relying solely on a walk and a home run to get our runs. Um, and with the things Judge is doing to cut down, with what I see from Stanton where he's really focusing just on hitting it to right field so far in spring, with the addition of DJ, with Glaber being healthy, um, with Andujar's hand-eye and hard ball hit rate, I think that we're going to see that out of this team this year. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great year. It's one of the first years or it's, you know, the last few years or the first time in a long time this team has been really exciting. And I feel like since 17 where they really overperformed, if you watch the team every day in 17, like a lot of us did, I think you saw that coming as the year went on. You said, you know, hey, these guys, <laughs> these guys have what it takes to go all the way. Um, they were still a bit under the radar last year. Um, not so much. People knew who Aaron Judge was. Uh, we had the addition of Stanton. I think that this year, a lot of people have the Yankees winning the World Series, being the team to beat, even with the Red Sox in our division having won the World Series last year. I think that they um, lost some as a team. They lost a few of the bullpen pieces that they had an already kind of weak bullpen. I don't know how you let a guy like Kimbrell walk. Joe Kelly's out of there. They really have nothing in the bullpen and now Steven Wright who was their knuckleballers out of there not that that matters but it's just one less piece whereas you have a team like the Yankees that solidifies itself with some good under the radar signings um I really do think that the DJ LeMahieu signing is going to be one of the um proved to be one of the most important signings of the offseason it's under the radar at this point um you know you bring in guys like Zach Britton who again this is a guy who didn't have the kind of year like he can have last year. He's coming off a brutal Achilles heel injury. Um, coming back just halfway through the season. Doesn't really have his feel yet. Still puts up good numbers, but not what people expect, or expect him to do. I think that he's going to be more of himself this year. I think the Yankee fans are really going to see that this guy is one of the most dominant closers or relievers in baseball. Um You've got Adam Ottavino, another guy that from New York wants to be a Yankee, um, took the deal to come here, probably could have been a closer somewhere else, but would rather be on a team to compete to win the World Series. Lifelong Yankee fan. Great to see a guy like that come in. Uh, rents a storefront um, in Harlem, I think it was, to work out. You love a story like that. So you have these pieces that the Yankees are adding. 
that the Red Sox didn't. I've just got a really great feeling about this year. It seems like a lot of good pieces are coming together this year for the Yankees. You got a lot of the young guys that seem like they're maturing at the same time. They went out and they made those moves that hopefully will be really important and prove to be um, good and smart moves by Cashman and the front office. So I've just got a good feeling about this year. Um, you know, closing it out here, there's just a few people that I wanted to acknowledge, a few people that I wanted to thank that have inspired me, um, you know, in my journey to want to create this Yankee podcast. As I said in the beginning, one of the main reasons why I'm choosing to do this, I don't know how often I'm going to do it or how regular, but I just love the Yankees so much. I'm stoked for this season. You know, it's exciting with spring training. I've got a list of podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. And um, half the reason why I want to do this is because I just want more content. You know, these guys are coming out with great stuff, um, you know, once a week, sometimes twice a week during the off season, twice a week during the regular season. And, you know, I hate the days. Monday is like Christmas every week because you get uh, – three or four brand new pods to listen to. Um, But then come Wednesday or so, once you've listened to all of them, I feel myself wanting for more. And so half of the reason why I wanted to do this was just so I could have more stuff to listen to. And I don't know if listening to my own podcast makes me a narcissist. If so, um, so be the case. But there's a few guys out there and groups out there that I wanted to acknowledge and thank. Uh, The first is... The Start Spreading the News blog and Dr. Paul Sedmendinger. Um, you know, I wanted to give him a special shout out and a special thanks. Last year, he's the one that really gave me the opportunity to join the Yankee community in a more personal way. Whereas before I was really just a fan, and I don't know if I, you know, writing a blog once in a while doesn't make you more than just a fan, but he gave me the opportunity to um, join the crew that's contributing to the Start Spreading the News blog, and it's been really fun. Had the opportunity to do some game recaps, to do a few cool articles in the off season, and so he's the one that um, allowed me, without any experience really, other than just my love for the Yankees, to come in and contribute to uh, his blog and uh, get my start in joining a little bit more of the Yankee community. So, Dr. Paul, I wanted to give you the first shout out and. The first thanks. I also wanted to acknowledge the uh, couple of podcasts that I listened to. Some great ones out there. If you guys aren't listening to these, do yourself a favor and do it. The first one that I wanted to acknowledge is Talking Yanks with John Boy and Jake. Uh, great show. These guys go above and beyond. They're putting out so much content. Um, you know, right now they're doing their regular full two episodes a week. You know, over an hour, and then every day they're putting out mini episodes of player profiles. So. These guys are putting out new content every day. They've got a couple other shows that they um, are working on that I listen to as well, uh, the John Boy and Jake Radio. These guys are really great on social media, personable. They reach out to people. They interact with people. I've had a couple um, conversations with both of them. Just cool guys. They're doing a lot for the Yankee community. They're putting in a ton of work. Wanted to acknowledge them. Um, I also am really high on the NYYST Sports Talk podcast with Christian, Chris, and Stack Guy Rye. Uh, these are guys that when I'm listening to them, it makes me think like I'm listening to my cousins on Long Island talking. They just bring a lot of personality, a lot of fire, a lot of passion to loving the Yankees. And these are dudes too that are really great about 
being active in the Yankee community, um, talking with fans, connecting with fans. So I really love the products that they're doing as well. And they too have split and they have multiple shows that they're running now at this point too. So all of these guys are just putting out a ton of content, putting in a ton of work. So I wanted to acknowledge them. And then um, the last one that I listen to on a regular basis is the Bronx Pinstripes podcast with Andrew and Scott. Um, these guys are just consummate professionals, very well put together product, always a really professional um, podcast. I think that they've been around for a really long time. So they always come with a really professional approach. Love what they're doing. So those are the podcasts that I listen to. That's the blog that I contribute to from time to time. Not as much as I was during the season, but I wanted to give Dr. Paul a shout out. And thanks for letting me get in there and and throw my hand at trying to contribute to the Yankee community. And um, that's really what it's all about. So I wanted to close you guys. Um, so the main reason that I've chosen to start this podcast, and like I said, I don't expect this to be anything other than just a fun time for me to be able to talk Yankees either to myself or with my family and friends. But I, you know, I've been feeling a real pull lately to try and become a